Amen, amen. You guys can grab a seat. And uh, man, I don't, I, I don't know about you, but that song that we just sang, um, it has um, such simple, uh, such simple truth in it. And uh, you know, we're jumping to the series today uh, titled Churchology, and 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 there is something about that song that is a, a really simple and beautiful picture. Of, of what comes from the church when the church is rightly being the church. There's just an expression of, of love and affection for God, and we want to stir that up in this series. We want us to understand more clearly what it means to be the church, how God defines the church, and how we're called to engage it. And uh, I'm thankful for this gathering of the body of Christ. I'm uh, thankful to be uh, back in the pulpit for this series and... Uh, and just thankful for the commitment that you have uh, to Jesus and your commitment to live out a Christ's mission uh, to love God, love others, and make disciples of all nations. And um, speaking of, of what's been playing out in our church, I still am kind of off a little bit of an emotional high. And um, just with last week's baptisms, who was here last week? Raise your hands. And was that not awesome? Can we just praise the Lord for that again? And I was just reflecting on the, the, the names of the people, the, the 10 people that were baptized in our two services and, and people that were declaring their faith in Jesus, like some younger, some older, some coming to Christ out of tremendous struggle and even trial and loss and some coming to Christ and declaring their faith in Christ, uh, declaring that they were coming out of religiosity, out of sort of going through the motions and then coming to a place where their eyes were open to the reality of the gospel and being like, no, I want to make Jesus my own. I want a relationship with Jesus. I don't want to go through the motions anymore. Like, it's beautiful. And these testimonies, they're the, they're the beauty and the power of the church of Jesus Christ that's alive. And, and I want you to understand something so important this morning, that, that those testimonies in baptism... They are a fruit of our ministry together, together. It wasn't just a parent's influence. It wasn't just a, a pastor's influence. It wasn't just one message. It was all the people who welcomed them and served them and encouraged them and taught them and loved them and prayed for them, and represented Jesus to them. That, that's the ministry that we get to do together. Every baptism testimony is a formal announcement. I love Jesus. My soul is rejoicing in who he is. And it's also an announcement that they're saying, listen, I'm a brother and sister in Christ. I'm a part of this family of God and I'm part of the bigger family of God. And church, here's what I know from sitting on the front row of the body of Christ, of the church for a number of decades now, um, if you want to experience the glory and the beauty and the power of it, you have to do more than just study it. You have to do more than just know some distinctive things about it. You have to live in it and you have to be faithful to it, right? Amen. There's some saints in here that can agree with that. I know that. And uh, that's why going into this fall season of ministry in the midst of uh, hundreds of different topics that we could have um, um, processed through and gone after in a series, um, we just really sensed that um, 
We need to get our heads wrapped around the church in a day that wants to deconstruct the church. And we want to get our heads around what the Bible teaches about the church. And so starting today and over the next uh, coming weeks, we're going to process through that leading into our fall um, a season of ministry. And so um, we're going to be looking at what the, uh, what the Bible says about the church in Scripture and then trying to apply it personally to our own lives and certainly to our own church. So uh, let's ask God just to bless this series before we jump in. God, thank you. Thank you for the um, living evidence of your church being alive, but not just in the uh, voices and the expression of faith this morning in worship, but in the commitment to be here, in the faith that I see in differing ways uh, up and down the rows, people uh, uh, wrestling with the reality of the brokenness of our world, people uh, wanting to grow in unity in their marriage, families, God, that you're uh, working in and doing a work in. I see um, so many different uh, uh, people trying to be faithful in their jobs and, their, and, and, and even be faithful in serving and understanding what it means to be a part of the church. Bless that, God. Lead us to a place where we would understand more clearly what it means to be the church. And so help us in this study of the church to align our hearts and our lives and our minds with what you say, not with what the world has said. So just help us in that, God, and lead us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Um, so earlier this summer, um, just a few weeks ago, my family and I were on a, a little family vacation and we went to a Gull Lake is um, down near Kalamazoo. It's this a really family camp and week after week they put on family camps and a bunch of families come together and uh, it is a great, it was such a blessing for our family last year and we did it again this year. And, uh, and that camp is honestly one of the best-run camps. If you can find anything to do there with your family, it is phenomenal. And we loved our time together in worship and in learning from God's Word and just acting goofy and having fun, just the sort of things that we love to do on vacation and, uh, and get some rest. And, um, but, but one of the things that I was reflecting on this week about that time was the power of what it means to be oriented within the universal body of Christ. Like, we we showed up at that camp, and there were families from all over the Midwest. Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Ohio, other parts of Michigan. And we got together at this camp, and and, and all of a sudden, somebody got up to sing, and everybody was like, it's time to sing, and we're going to worship Jesus. We didn't know each other, but we just unified around this praise to God. And then somebody would open God's word and start to teach from God's word and Bibles would come open and you'd sense hearts like leaning in and wanting to learn together and we didn't know each other previous to that week. My, my kids went off in some groups with, with, with kind of age-specific groups and, and they started to talk about God's word and they were sharing their hearts with some of these leaders that they didn't know the week before. Listen, listen, that's unbelievable. Don't don't let that reality of of what we have in Christ grow old on you. Like, it's amazing. But but then, after that time away, I walked back in here, into this church last weekend, and, and there's just a sense that falls over my heart, like I'm home. Like, there's familiarity with people and 
not just familiarity of the things that are good, not just familiarity about our unity in Christ, not just that familiarity, but even some familiarity in challenges and suffering and trials and weight and and, and, and there's words of encouragement that can come to me and there's words of encouragement that I can give to others right in the midst of the mess because in the local church, you see the reality of that a little bit closer. And all of that is a blessing and a privilege. Previous to, to coming to Christ in 1994, like, like I, I, all I knew of the church was that it was a building that had some beliefs that I didn't really know and people gathered there semi-regularly. That's all I knew. That's all I knew about the church. It was just a building with the service times, a list of beliefs. But as I started to not just know about the church, but respond to God because of his authority over my life and because of the beauty and the power of God's word, I started to become compelled by the church, drawn into it. With all of its weaknesses and strengths, with all of the brokenness of people inside the church, I started to, 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 to invest my life in the church in the way that I believed God wanted me to and the way I'm going to talk about today. And I started to see the church as a living reality of people that were aligned around the mission that Jesus had left them uh, unified because of a a, a similar commitment by faith to Jesus Christ and his gospel. And so today in this message, what I want to do is we kind of topically look at a number of scripture passages, is I want to just make a distinct, I want to distinguish for you between what God reveals as the universal church and then what God calls us to in the local church. And when we get those mixed up, it causes so much confusion. And I've seen the confusion give people space to justify actions that I don't believe God's word gives us. So we're going to unpack that together today. That's the plan. But um, first, let's just start with this big move. This is what I know throughout the pages of scripture. Uh, this is the big move. Your calling, my calling, is to assimilate into the life of the universal and local church of Jesus Christ. Like that's our big move this morning. Assimilate into the life of the universal and local church of Jesus Christ. So let's just start first by looking at the, the biblical picture of the universal church. And here it is, point number one, secure your soul in the eternal reality of the universal church. So secure your soul in the eternal reality of the universal church. So let me, let me just try for a moment. We'll get up on the screen here, this definition. A universal church defined is defined like this. All of God's people throughout history, bound together by faith in God, redeemed and reconciled by the blood of Christ, adopted into the family of God, awaiting eternity with God in the new heavens and new earth. So, 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 so church, like, like get this, the universal church is all of God's people throughout history, bound together by our faith in God, redeemed and reconciled by the blood of Christ, adopted into the family of God, awaiting eternity with God in the new heavens and the new earth. This is the universal church. And assimilation 
follow me here, the assimilation into the universal church starts with adoption into the family of God. It starts with adoption into the family of God. Being adopted into God's family, becoming part of the universal church is something that God does by faith in Christ that gives your heart and my heart security. It, it, it gives us an understanding of the fact that um, God is drawing you into his family and there is security there. It is certain. It really, when we understand it and we walk in it, it secures your soul. So let me just trace this, this, this perspective of adoption throughout the New Testament. I want us to get a sense of what we're a part of in the universal church. John eleven fifty one through 52 says, Jesus would die for the nations, and not for the nations only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So not just geographically does God want to draw people together in certain areas, He's doing that not just geographically broadly, but he's, do, he's done that over time. The universal church spans not just a space geographically, it spans time. And there's a power in that. Galatians 3.26 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons or daughters of God through faith. There's the agency, there's the access to that family of God is through faith, through faith in Jesus Christ, through faith in what Jesus accomplished. That's how you access And If you're like, I, I wanna be a part of, I wanna assimilate into the universal church, it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Then 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, says it beautifully. And I, God declaring here, I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord God Almighty. I will be a father to you. Some of you, um, in understanding what has occurred because of your faith in Jesus Christ, need to live more vibrantly and deeply and beautifully in the reality that God literally says over your life, I, I will be a father to you. Some of you need that into the broken places where there's been a parental uh, condemnation or parental abuse or a misapplication of parental authority. Some of you know that you need that just because you know that even to the degree that you've had really good, healthy, earthly parents, they're still broken. And, and I wouldn't encourage you to put your security in anything more than this declaration that God says, I will be a father to you. Let, let that sense of, of God being your father and you being his child be the, be the place where your soul places its security. So there's such sufficiency in what Christ has done. He deserves all of our soul and heart. Then 1 John 3, 1, you know the Apostle John, like the one that was always like close to Jesus in this really sweet proximity. He was the one that said in 1 John 3, 1, he says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And I love how it ends. And so we are. 
And can't you just sense like the, the apostle John just sort of swelling with pride. Like, like see what kind of love, like, like his love has been seen in him sending his son and his son dying on the cross for your sins and mine and he's given to us so that we would be called children of God. So that would be the identity that we live under. And he's like, and so we are. He's not just talking about it like it's some past tense reality. He's saying, and so we are right now. Right now I'm living in the reality of this identity. And this is where we want our soul to land and be secured. Romans 8, 14 and 15 says, For all who were led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Notice the security that comes in adoption. Like, like this is the battle, church, like, that we live in, right? Like, we're, we're tempted all the time to sort of live in this spirit of slavery to fear. And the, one of the easiest things to discern in our world today is the predominant sense that I feel and hear from our world is insecurity and fear. It is just always under the surface, seeming at times boiling over, just a sense of insecurity and fear, and, and even in the church and even in the followers of Christ. And that's why in Romans 8, God's trying to implore us, encourage us, call us to something more secure. He's like, listen, come out of that slavery to fear and come into a spirit, a spirit of adoption. Because when you've been adopted by God, there is no greater security you can find in this life. And God just wants to reinforce that. And, and you see the reflection of this is worship. It's a relationship with God marked by affection. Through faith in Christ alone, by grace alone, you were adopted into the universal, eternal family of God. Do we rejoice in that, church? Amen? We rejoice in this and, and we declare things like Peter declared in 1 Peter 2.10. He said, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. The universal church. And so it, with this being the sort of reality that God unfolds in his word, the, the question I have for you is, um, this question is, uh, what is your soul secured to? What is your soul secured to? When I'm talking about soul, I'm talking about the soul as the, um, biblically, you see the soul is the seat of emotions, personality, heart. It's your, it's your inmost reality. It's the part of you that you can reveal to a certain degree or withhold to a certain degree, that you share differently with some than with others, but God knows perfectly. And I, and I ask you the question this morning, what do you secure your soul to? Because I'm concerned about your soul. It's part of the responsibility of being a pastor over a group of people and being called to that. There's a sense where I care about your soul. I care about what your soul's attached to. Like, like, and what, what, I, what I find again and again is we, we're so quick to attach our soul to insecure realities, aren't we? Like, here's an easy one, like um, uh, football season's beginning, right? And I'm telling you, there's some people in this room 
maybe historically someone who stands in front of you talking right now. And um, there can be a tendency in something like that for us to um, attach our soul to something. Now, for some of us, we, we, we watch a game like football or another sport, and we have a very loose attachment to it. We're like, yeah, I'll cheer for my team, but if they lose, like, I'm, like, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. But there are other people who really attach their soul to that team, and when that team does good, they start going like this. A lot of insecurity in their soul. And when that team's going good, they're like, yes, my soul rejoices. And you're kind of like, oh, that's going to get insecure pretty quick. Right? And we understand that, especially in Michigan. Um, sorry, it's just there. I'm, I'm there with all of you. And, um, and so here's the reality, though. It's not just sports. Your soul can be attached to um, your dreams. Your soul can get attached to your occupation and your job. Your soul can get attached to approval from others. Your soul can get attached to the approval you're not getting from others. Your soul can get attached to your children. Your soul can get attached to your spouse. And those things are just, they're insecure. Your soul can get attached to objects. Your soul can get attached to things that you're, you're wanting to happen so badly that are even good and right things. Your soul can get attached to roles and identities that, that, that very clearly can come and go. And... My heart for you today is to consider this truth that the, the list of what your soul can get attached to is literally endless. And if your soul is secured to any of these insecure things, you're securing your soul to insecurity. And, and, and so anything that's not a gospel priority, anything that does not have a sense of eternity connected to it is temporary or pointless as a place to find security. But this is the battle. We have, some, we have some godly people in our church that within the last two years have lost a spouse. I've stood, I've walked alongside them in the, in, in, in the season of grieving and the funeral and all the things in the first year of loss. And in the midst of that, I always know that behind all of the, the grief that's being worked through, that there's a sense that you're going to find in that person's soul, was it attached to the eternal reality of the universal church and, and their orientation in it, or was it attached too much to the spouse? And listen, listen, I have such compassion for the fact that in a godly marriage, sometimes those lines are, are really hard to discern. And sometimes it's in crisis that our eyes are open to that. And I love the way I see a people in our church navigating through that in a God-honoring way. And so I have compassion on some of that. But so, some of you who have children, when you reach the point at which you're empty nesting, you're going to be like, if, if you're asking, you're going to ask the question, where's my identity been? It's going to be revealed. And so I want us, as we walk through things like this subject of the church, I want us to secure our hearts to what is secure. Our fallenness and depravity is showcased again and again by our incessant readiness to sort of secure our soul in insecure realities. And we need to respond rightly to this because the, the, the universal church calls to our soul and says, more than anything, live out of your identity as a child of God. Resonate with what John said where he said, see the Father's love for me. I'm a child of God. 
There's continuity there. There's security there. Assimilate your life into the, into the eternal reality of the universal church. Anyone here this morning can become part of the universal church simply by putting their faith in Jesus, by going, I don't want to live my life according to the way I've been living it. It's not going well. A lot of insecure realities, I'm attached to all of them. And literally coming to faith in Christ is a, is a repentance move of going, I'm not going to attach my soul any longer to these insecure realities. I'm choosing, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, I'm choosing to put my faith in him and securing my soul to him. Then, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ are people who, when we see that our soul is attached to insecure realities, our response, just like initially, is to repent. To say, God, I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I, I see that my soul's been attached to that insecure reality, and I, I, I want to I turn from that. I want to escape from the spirit of slavery because my attachment to that insecure reality is, is what's causing the fear. And so I'm going to repent from that and I'm going to walk towards this spirit of adoption. And I want to walk in it. I want this not just to be something that we repent about in our church. I want this to be something that we're encouraging one another in. Like, like man, I don't, want your, I don't want your hope there. I want your hope in Christ. In your identity that will never change. You can't add to it. Nothing you do can diminish from it. That is so rare, and it's so beautiful in the kingdom of God. I want that to be the very air in our church, that people just have a sense that, man, the people there are securing their lives to something that's so secure. So we have to start here, secure your soul in the eternal reality of the universal church, assimilate into the life of the universal and local church of Jesus Christ. So once you've oriented your life within the universal church, we have to, this morning, also intro the local church. So here's the overarching point as I've studied the local church, not just for this message, but in the coming messages. Stay committed to working out Christ's mission through the local church. Stay committed to working out Christ's mission through the local church. If you... Um, were to over the next week or two just read through the entire New Testament kind of together. You know, sometimes I think we separate our reading so much because we, because we want to, and I think rightly want to go deep in a passage. Try sometimes just, just reading an entire book of the Bible just, to, just in one reading. Um, start with one of the smaller ones. It might be a little intimidating if you just choose Psalms, okay? Probably not your best initial choice. I'd go with Galatians first. And uh, what you do is you start to get a sense of what is so clear in Scripture. And if you read through the entire New Testament, you will recognize so clearly that God has an undeniable calling on his people, every follower of Jesus Christ, to remain, to stay committed to working out Christ's mission through the local church. There is a priority God gives in the pages of Scripture to the local church that you see again and again and again. So here's my best attempt. Local church defined is any defined group, some parameters or identity, where our definition is Christ church. Within that, we have some ways that we talk about membership in our church. Any defined group of Christ followers gathering together regularly to grow in Christ 
and serve together to fulfill the mission of Christ. There's more specifics biblically that we're going to unpack and talk through together and apply together. But, but so much of the New Testament is revealing not, not this universal church, but a very specific reality of the local church. Look with me at 1 Timothy 3, 15. Paul, writing to Timothy, says, You may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. So we just unpack just that verse for a second. And like, okay, if, if Paul's telling Timothy that you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, there has to be a local gathering of believers to understand how someone's to behave, to even observe that. If we just all just connected with God individually as one big part of the universal church, we'd never be able to fulfill the reality of this. There's a calling to a specific household of God. There's a church of the living God that, that you see that when you see truth playing out within relationships, within behavior. Not just First Timothy, Paul's letters are all written to individual churches or groups of churches in different geographical areas. When you look in your Bible, it's not they didn't they didn't spend a lot of time being cute with the title for First Corinthians. It was Paul's first letter to the church of Corinth. Okay, he didn't he didn't try to come up with like let's think about a really great title for this chapter in the Bible. There's like First Corinthians, call it what it is. Second Corinthians, second letter to the church in Corinth. Galatians, uh, uh, written to a, a, a church or a group of churches in Galatia, the local church. You see it in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 when Jesus both encourages and rebukes a number of specific churches. 1 Peter 5 has been so helpful to me. The elders of a church are called to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. How in the world can you, one, have elders that, that have to, if you look in First and Second Timothy and Titus, have to have a certain level of qualification. You can't even get to the elders that sit behind this passage without the local church. And when it says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, you can't be faithful to that unless there's some definition around a local body of believers. That's why we have some next steps. That's why we talk about covenant membership at our church because we feel the biblical obligation to create some definition around that. There has to be definition. I mean, I mean look, look at that passage again, 1 Peter 5. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. That's our responsibility. So this is clear. The followers of Christ are called to stay committed to Christ's mission through the local church. And and listen, over the next um, coming weeks of this series, we're going to be talking specifically about the local church, not the universal church. But let me just say this for today. The local church, this local church, any local church that wants to be faithful to Scripture, needs to be a place where a, a group of people are called together where disciples are made and matured, growing in their love for God and love for others. A local church needs to be a place where people are gathering together, not just to come and listen and be, but where we're coming together to live out all of the biblical one another's. 
How in the world without some sort of definition around a local church and an engagement in it can you fulfill love one another, pray for one another, carry one another's burdens? You can't do any of that. It requires the local church. And the local church is called to be a place that is advancing Christ's mission. I love, like Chris announced um, earlier, um, that, that, that we have a, a young man who's grown up in our church and um, has some giftedness and heart for ministry, and now he's going to go um, off to Moody. And Preston, we're so thankful for you and excited for this next chapter in your life. And to go off to Moody to be trained in ministry, and we're asking God and trusting and alongside of Preston that, that the mission of God would be advanced through someone who started right here in our church. And I just, I love that. There's more specifics that are going to come, but, he, but here's what I know. We are always stronger together. There's a, there's a beauty in the local church. And each person over time, if you assimilate to the local church, can experience some of the beauty and the blessings that I've seen now for over 20 years. I could go up and down the row, I could talk about, you know, Roger Rake over here, or I could talk about Brett Cook, or even my son Josiah. I could talk about a number of people here in this, in this section and over in this section, whether it's Jody or looking at Jeremy and in my community group, and I can tell you that the richness of the body of Christ, the local church, is evident in relationships like that. The, 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 those, those men I just called out, the, there are aspects of, of the way that their giftedness has encouraged me and served me, and there's ways that my giftedness has served them. There, there, there are ways that they know both my weaknesses and my strengths. There are ways they've fulfilled the one another's for me like I have for them. And that is beautiful. And you don't experience that without a commitment to the local church. The, the mission of God is moving forward right now. There, there's, there's the way that that looks and the way that that plays out in my life and in your life that God wants it to be the case for you right now. Because this world's a mess. And we carry that mess right into here, trust me. I, I, I wish it could all just disappear for a second. We could have a little moment of glory and then we would never want to leave this room. We'd be like, I'm not going back. And, uh, and, 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 but, but, but it's right in the middle of the mess. Because God brings beauty out of ashes. And, and I, I, could, I could say to some of those people that I already mentioned and so many more that I'm so thankful for the fact that increasingly I think we have become a church through a lot of learning that's learning to be long-suffering. I'm really thankful for a commitment not just to be around people long enough to find out they have weaknesses but then to be around them long enough to see God bring restoration and goodness and truth applied to their life. I love that in our church, but it is a wrestling, it is a struggle, it is painful. But when God moves, when, when the gospel wins, when it is working rightly, it is awesome. It is awesome. And God wants to work through the mess. 
Each follower of Christ is called by God's word to assimilate into a local church. Please, please, please hear me. You do not have, I do not have biblical permission to deconstruct this truth. God and his word are the authority. We have nothing if we lose that church. The church is disintegrating in a lot of areas, even in our area, in certain places, because people are trying to deconstruct it, and what they are creating some, is something that is completely man-centered, and that will be temporary. It is not an et- eternal, secure reality. God does not give permission for, for us at any point with his truth to move towards what has become convenient or preferential to us. No excuse gives us an out. And listen, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of excuses. A lot of them. Like what people sometimes say is they're like, Man, I'm just part of the universal church. And it gives me an out on the local church. I'm like, listen, listen, I'm with you. I can't wait for the universal church to become the local church. Okay, that's called eternity. New heavens and new earth. It's going to be awesome. Even I'm going to be singing in the choir. Like, and a lot of other things I'm excited about. Like, 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 that is the reality, and it's coming, but it's not now. Failure to participate in the local church really comes down to three predominant things that I see. There's many, of, many excuses, but they come down to three predominant things. One, I have compassion for. Two, needs to be addressed and confronted. And one, needs to be counseled through. The first one is this. A refusal to share or see what God has given you to steward. If your faith is in Jesus, you have a gift. And this body of Christ or any body of Christ you're ever a part of is weaker if you're not expressing it. And if you're not committed regularly to the church, you're not going to experience some of the beauty of the gifts that I have the vantage point and so many of you in this room have the vantage point of having seen and experienced. And listen, I have compassion on that. Some of you just don't know, or some of you have a, 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 maybe a perception of yourself that is not in line with what God would say over your life, and so you hesitate or hold back because of that. And I want you to walk in the fullness of that. Some of you try to avoid or have avoided, or maybe still are to some degree avoiding a, a full assimilation to local church. It's a move that's motivated by your hiding from being known. And for you, all all you're missing is the fullness of what it means to be reconciled and restored into full abiding relationship with Jesus Christ and then from that into the family of God. And um, I would implore you and call you to make whatever sacrifice is necessary so that you can move in that direction. And then finally, some of you, and this needs counsel, is uh, your aversion or hesitation is the result of past hurt within the context of the church. Can we just talk about that for a second? Like, I, I, wanna, I wanna take some time just to address this subject of church hurt because I, I think as I've um, walked longer, as I've heard more carefully, maybe listened a bit longer, there's, there's really a balance in addressing this that I want to be a part of the very fabric of our church moving forward and in my ministry. With church hurt, we need to have a balance between compassion towards some things that have been hurtful to people, while at the same time 
a readiness to address the truth about our responsibility in that. Can we do that together? Some of you I know have experienced church hurt. Some of you have been a part of places that have miscommunicated, maybe in ways that were completely unintentional, the full reality of the gospel, and you walk carrying that hurt or that lack. Some of you have been hurt by specific leaders or people in the past. Here's what I would say. If you want to walk with us in the best way, the healthiest way possible, and please hear me, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like, I haven't missed the church hurt thing. Like, I got some places in my heart that have been hurt by the church, people in the church, leaders in the church. Here's what I would do, and here's how I want us to walk towards that. First off, compassion. If there's places you've been hurt, I'm so sorry. I hate that that's the reality, but it's a fallen world, and the church isn't full of a bunch of perfect, perfectly holy people, but we worship the God who is perfectly holy, amen? And our hope is there, but in the midst of that, there's going to be some pain because it's a mess, a hot mess some days. The balance, though, is to go, is there places where maybe I've attached my security too much? Are there places where I've had expectations that were not reasonable? Are there places where I've actually caused some hurt, and then maybe the church didn't respond in the healthiest way? I'll never forget a situation in our church that I can't give specifics about, but where somebody came into our church saying, man, that church really hurt me. They really uh, didn't deal with, with what I was going through in a loving way. And then what we found out was is that the reality was is that church was attempting to confront him in an area of private sin that he revealed to them, and then they had to deal with it, and it was really difficult. And maybe there are some ways, I don't know specifics, but maybe there's some ways they dealt with it in an unhealthy way. But then that same reality came to bear when that person was in our church. And then it had to be dealt with here. And eventually it came to the fact that that person didn't want to live under what God's word teaches. And so let's carry these things rightly. Let's go after them with a heart to understand truth so that, hear me, hear me, so that you and I can find healing. So we can find healing. But your hurt can never be an excuse for avoiding faithfulness. Can never be an excuse for avoiding faithfulness. I, I, I've been hurt, like I said. There's times that, 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 that the, the reality of the church, like, and the way it draws out my need to confess my sin and walk in purity and work towards the thing that God called me to, sometimes I feel like a, man, this is a lot. But, but I've seen too many miracles. I've, I've seen too much fruit. I've experienced too many blessings to abandon the church that Christ died for or to be involved in the church in a nominal way that would keep me from experiencing all that God wants for my life. Instead, church, we've got to move to full commitment. We've got to move to full commitment. So if you need to take the next step, if you're asking the question about this local church, like I hope you would, how can I assimilate more deeply into Christ church? Like we have the next steps. We talk about them every week. It's, it's, it's our way of saying, hey, we want you to take steps towards assimilating in the local church. So step one, coming up Sunday, September 11th at 1230. Um, step two is today during the 11 a.m. service. So those of you that are sitting in here will have to wait till later. But that room's full out there, and Pastor Jeremy's leading that. It's full of a bunch of people that are like, I want to assimilate. 
I want everything God has for me. In this church, there's some that have held back. There's some that have been hurt in the past and they're there and they're ready to engage and, and listen, fully assimilate into the local church. Like, like Pastor Jeremy's responsibility on our staff primarily amidst a bunch of things he does. Um, I love him deeply. Um, is, is to help people connect to the church. His greatest gift in this. I mean, nobody gets more geeked up about people like connecting and rejoicing when they get connected in a community group or start serving. You can also go to mychristchurch.info. There's plenty of places and, and ways we're trying to help you assimilate. Let me say this in closing. Um, I was thinking about what is represented when two hands come together like this. We know that if we see a, if you see me um, walking with my wife at times in near our home, there's times when our hands will be like this. It represents a, an assimilation, certainly. It, it represents a move of two very different people um, unified together. There is a sense of power that's represented by it. There's a sense of intimacy that's represented by it. There's a sense of shared commitment that's represented by that. And I don't do this with everyone. In the church, it's different people coming together because their hand has already taken hold of the hand of God. The hands are similar because their hands are intertwined with God. And then when we assimilate in the local church, we're coming together like this. There's a shared mission here. It supersedes all of our differences. To love God, to love others, to make disciples. That's it. We're unified around that. Under the goodness and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want people to see from your involvement in the church, your study of the church, that your life would be more intertwined with that. First and primarily, God is your Father. Second, important, but only temporary, your assimilation into the local church until we arrive in the perfect assimilation in eternity. So let's be a people that are assimilating into the life of the universal and local church of Jesus Christ. It will be a blessing that will endure in your life no matter where you live or go. Let's secure our souls in that eternal reality of the universal church and let's stay committed to working out Christ's mission through the local church. Let's pray together. God, I hope that what's been communicated today has not just been my experience, the heart behind my experience. But I pray that, that each and every person here would see the connectivity of that experience to truth. God, I am, um, even in my mind right now, sort of replaying through some local churches that I've been a part of in the past, and I'm thinking of people that have walked alongside me at different points in my faith. I'm seeing the faces of people who were there for me in moments when I could have gone astray. And they held me and loved me and they spoke your word to me and they prayed for me and their gifts served me. 
And I see some of the faces of people, not just in this church, but in other local churches in the past, that where you've used my gifts to, to, to bless them. And there's just a sweetness to the whole reality. There's a sweetness to being oriented in the universal church. There's a beauty and a power and, a, and, and just a, a depth of affection that I have for the local church. And God, as long as you have us all here together in this context, would you help us not just to come go through the motions, let this church not be a place where religiosity reigns, but where relationship reigns. Help us to fully assimilate. Help our lives and our hands to interlock in such a way that there would be a power around the mission to see the gospel extend to our world and beyond. We ask for you to do that, God, and help us to be faithful in it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.